How, are you ready? How many of you are ready to go um, on this great frontier, to go out on the next thing that God has? You ready? I mean, we don't know, right? We don't understand. We don't know what the future holds. We're looking into the great unknown, and we can't see it yet, but we can walk into it with confidence, right, because of our relationship with the Lord. Well, go ahead and have a seat. Grab your Bibles, and um, welcome to December. We're here. So I have a question for you. How many of you have already started your Christmas present shopping? Oh, my word. How many of you are finished with your... No way. No way. What, do you have like two people to buy for? It's like half of you are... Okay, how many of you... Watch this. How many of you haven't even started... How many of you are like, I don't even want to do the deed? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, guess what? You can start today. Spa Women's Ministries that we support, they're here. Are you guys in the building yet or in the room here? Or are you just out? I think they're all out working the table. But they are selling Christmas gifts that they make um, to support their ministry, and so you can go out there, and you know what would be awesome? Let's just buy them out. Let's buy everything that they have and just bless them. Now, if you buy them all out, Second Service doesn't get anything, but that's life, right? <laughs> and so, like, I, these, are just, they've got, these are just a sampling of some of the things they have. It's their super success ministry, and I have the first present of Christmas. Here, you can have that, and you can have that, and who wants the soup? There you go. Can you get it? Yes, yes. All right. Well, hey, um, you know, no matter where you are on the whole Christmas gift thing, um, I want to say this, because those, I'm going to speak specifically to those who are dreading the deed. Your biggest mistake and the biggest mistake believers can make is when we get to Christmas time to um, equate Christmas gift giving with all the secularization and um, commercializing that the world has done to Christmas. And some people, some of us as believers especially, we almost have a disdain for the gift giving thing, kind of like, you know, let's just do Christmas without gifts. Christmas isn't about gifts. I want, I want to challenge your thinking on that. Because what do we celebrate at Christmas time? We celebrate Jesus. But what you want to understand is that when we celebrate at Christmas time with Christmas gifts, what we celebrate is the greatest gift ever given to mankind, ever brought into the world, and that is the, the delivery of God. This just, just blows our minds, right? God coming to earth as a baby, born in a manger, in a stable in Bethlehem. The greatest gift ever given to mankind was born at Christmas time. That's what we celebrate. To, to use an old term, Jesus is the reason for the... Exactly right. And Jesus being born into this earth, the greatest gift ever given is the best gift giver to ever walk the planet. Do you realize that? And you and I get to be participants in that. We are actually recipients of that. 
And as we become recipients of that, then we get to become participants of the delivery of the greatest gift ever to be given to mankind. In fact, gift giving is at the center of the whole Christmas story, and I believe it's totally appropriate for those of us who don't want to do the deed and who resent the secularization and commercialization, which I do, not to overreact to that, but to understand that it's appropriate to have gift giving at the center of the Christian Christmas experience worldwide. Here's what the Bible says, James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is coming down to us from God, our Father. Anybody want to give me a woo-hoo on that? <laughs> That's awesome. Every good and perfect gift, it's not has come down, it is coming down to us from God, our Father. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, have become his prized possession. And God loves to give good gifts to his prized possession, to his children. Jesus said in Matthew 7, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given, there's the gift, given to us in Christ Jesus. What has been given to us in Christ Jesus? God, the Father, going to his great storehouse of gifts and bestowing them upon those that he loves. And he held nothing back. In fact, Jesus told us, your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. John 3, 16, of course, you all know this. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. What an awesome gift. And God's gifts to you and me may not look like the presents you opened last year, but they will be exactly what you need, when you need them. And that's a guarantee from the scriptures. And that's what we get from the Father, but I want you to look at some gifts that Jesus gives us in the book of John, chapter 16. So take your Bibles and go there. John chapter 16, verse 16. We're gonna pick up where we left off a couple of weeks ago where Jesus is warning his disciples about the hatred and persecution that was going to come upon them and all those who love Christ and who tries to follow him. And that persecution and that hatred is gonna come from the people and systems of the world, of course, driven by the evil forces that are behind it all. And Jesus ends that section, if you look at me with verse 15, with these words, and I'm paraphrasing, when you receive the Holy Spirit, he said, he, the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth, and he will tell you what I have told him to tell you, but don't miss this. This is very important. All that the Father has is mine, and the Spirit will take what is mine and give it to you. Do you think that Jesus is a great gift giver? What he wanted his disciples and therefore wants us to know because it's written down in the Scripture that all that the Father has, I have, is, has been given to me, and I have it. And the Holy Spirit is going to take everything that I have and give it to you. 
Does somebody want to get excited about that? Let me just say that one more time, because I think you're asleep already this morning, okay? I, I don't want to put you to sleep with this. I hope this will wake up your spirit. All that the Father has, and you know who we're talking about? We're talking about Almighty God. All that the Father has, has been given to me, and the Spirit will give everything that I have to you. I wish I could dance, I really do, but I just look like I'm having an epileptic seizure or something when I try. <laughs> That's an amazing gift, and he goes on. Look at verse 16. In a little while, you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that, you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while, you won't see me, but then you will see me and I'm going to go to my father, which he had told them before. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. And Jesus realized that they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me. But the world will rejoice. That's very important to catch right there. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. Now, he's talking to them about something they don't, totally don't understand. They don't know what's coming. They don't know that Jesus is going to be crucified and, and mocked and ridiculed and abused at the hand of wicked men. They don't know all of that is coming. It's just like a, a blur to them as Jesus is talking in couched terms to them. And what he's doing is actually prophesying to them to say, you're going to mourn but the world is going to rejoice. You are going to grieve, but suddenly your grief will be turned into joy. Your sorrow is going to be turned or transformed into joy. This is the first gift from Jesus that he wants his disciples to know, and that is you will get ultimate joy. If you're taking notes, you can write that in there. You get ultimate joy from Jesus. Christians will always love Jesus, but the world won't because they don't know God. Jesus made that clear. Welcome to reality, right? Christianity is not a popular majority religion. In fact, Jesus said it's a narrow road and we are part of the few who have found faith in Jesus Christ through God's gracious gift of his son. And it's not a popular thing. And they, the world, they don't get us because they don't know God, we are fools in their eyes for following this book. Jesus made that clear. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But you know who Jesus is. You know why he came, and you know what he's done. And I just want to say to you, at Christmas time and at Easter, those two holidays, they're not just about the one time you go to church. Those are holidays that the followers of Jesus Christ are celebrating, but the rest of the world doesn't get what it really is. And they don't understand why we celebrate in a different way than they celebrate. We know he came to die, and yet you rejoice at Christmas? Does that make sense? You guys know that the little baby Jesus came and the only reason he came was to die for the sins at the hands of wicked men, for the sins of the world. And yet you rejoice? Absolutely we rejoice. 
because we know that it all ends in victorious resurrection, which is an awesome gift of life to those who will believe. And here's how he illustrates this point. Look at verse 21. It will be, this is he's illustrating, it will be like a woman suffering from the pains of labor. Notice the words he's using to describe the birth, the birth experience, suffering and pain. When her child is born, her, here's another word, anguish, gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. Now, I don't pretend at all to understand the pain and the suffering and the anguish that you women go through when you give birth. But I have experienced it. No, I have, <laughs> I have seen it, okay, firsthand. Um, hey, guess what? Is it okay for me to use my platform to declare I'm a grandpa again? Is that all right? Look at, look at James and Angela just had this little baby girl yesterday. Her name is Wren Grace Byers. And um, what an awesome little treasure. I have not been able to hold her yet or see her in person yet, but I cannot wait for that time um, to come. Pray for James. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, pray for James, because he definitely needs prayer. But um, <laughs> he's sick, and he wasn't able to be there for the birth, and he hasn't seen his child yet, because he's been running a fever and can't go to the hospital, so that's a bummer. Um, so Angela just went through that, that Jesus is describing here. Now, after seeing the anguish, not experiencing it myself, but seeing it, I can't imagine why anyone would want to allow their husband to ever touch them again. <laughs> I can't imagine why you would ever want another child, and yet some of you have had nine. <laughs> not, to, not to point you out or anything, Why in the world would any woman ever want to go through that more than once, except for the fact, this is what Jesus is saying, the result of that suffering is the greatest human joy possible. The creation and delivery of a human life into this world. See, here's what Jesus wants us to understand. Sorrow, pain, and anguish produces ultimate joy for those who are in Christ. Short-term pain for long-term gain. That's what the Christian experience is all about. He always talks about you're going to suffer, but it's only a little while. And that's what he's saying to his guys here. The same event that brings the pain brings the joy. And what Jesus is saying is, look, you're going to go through a brief time of sorrow and pain, and you're going to come out on the other side, and your grief is going to be transformed into joy. Look at verse 22. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. Nothing can rob you of the joy of me being in your life. 
And here he is again, focusing their minds off of the temporal and getting them to think in the eternal realm because two things are going to happen. Number one, he's going to give them the Holy Spirit. And he says, you won't see me anymore, but you will see me because I'm gonna give you my spirit and when my spirit is in you. And they had no idea how exhilarating that was going to be to receive the Holy Spirit of God like you and I have received. And God is living with us and Christ is with us and so you, can, you will see me because the Spirit will be in you. That's the first thing that he couldn't wait for them to experience, Acts chapter two. But then what happens is you guys need to think eternally. Your time on earth is just a whisper, it's just a breath, but you're gonna spend eternity with me so just a little while. It may seem long to you, but it's not. Your sorrow may seem long, but it's not. It's just a little bit. And then you're gonna be with me, and you're gonna be with me forever. I'm going to prepare a place for you. When I prepare a place, I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna receive you unto myself, and there you will be with me forever. And so you're gonna, you're gonna sorrow for a little bit because I'm going to leave, but don't worry, you're gonna have ultimate joy. Do you understand? Do you get it, my friends? We have no songs of blind, hopeless, dead-end grief. Christians don't write those kinds of songs. But we have endless songs of joy that come out of our human temporal experience and come out of our pain and suffering and death, and they go all the way back to the cross of Jesus Christ, and when they go back to that spot, we find joy and we find peace. We sang those songs this morning. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? Here's the switch. No, there's light for a look at the Savior and a life more abundant and free. What little joy we experience here on this earth, and it may seem glorious when we experience it, will be eclipsed by an awesome, eternal, unending, never-changing joy that will last through endless, eternal days in heaven with Jesus forever. When we've been there 10,000 years. Can you see it? Bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And so I sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Here's the gift. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what we look forward to. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's what we're waiting for. That's where our joy comes from. And all of that is ours because of the gift from Jesus of ultimate joy. Where would we be, my friends, in the darkness of the world had Jesus never come? How lost would we be? 
And for those who don't know him, did you know that what this world has to offer is the only thing they have to be merry about? Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And if you die outside of Christ, you die and go to a Christless, godless eternity, which is judgment and suffering forever. We have suffering for a little while and eternal glory, but they only have suffering. They only have joy in this world, what this world has to offer, and it's not much. Jesus promised us eternal, ultimate joy. No matter what we're going through. No matter how dark it may seem. No matter how helpless and no matter how hopeless. You don't have to be taken captive in that state. Because you have the hope of eternal glory. Because of Jesus, we have 1 Peter 1.8, joy unspeakable. It means inexpressible joy that is full of glory. Jesus came, he said, that we may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the fullest. And what that word literally means in the Greek is that you will overflow with it. I have come to give you joy and to give you life that you can live to the full while you're on the earth. And the point of it is I'm going to fill you up and I'm going to give you all the gifts of the riches of it out of my storehouse so that you will not just be filled up in your spirit, but you will spill out and overflow onto everybody else around you. I want to ask you the question, my friends, how are you doing on that? How's it going with the overflow? Because your overflow is not dependent upon you and your circumstances. Your overflow is dependent upon the faithfulness of your God, and he is pouring into you. But sometimes we stop the overflow because we get so full of ourselves when we're down in the pit, and I believe I know what I'm talking about. And you get down into that pit, and you're so full of yourself that you aren't thinking about what God wants to do through you and in you to spill over through your pain, through your anguish, through your circumstances onto everybody else. You don't know. We don't know what God is up to. I'm lost in my notes right now. So, because um, I'm just like completely running out of time. So, I may jump around. I'm just giving a little hint to the tech people. Um, but here's the next gift. Let's go to the next one, okay? Access to the Father's love. I cannot wait to show, share this one with you. Look at verse 23 of John 16. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. In other words, I'm not gonna be here, but you don't need to worry. You don't need to ask me of anything because at that time, when I leave you, I will tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before, but ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. So what Jesus is saying is, whatever you ask for in my name, 
you will get. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, let me just say this. First of all, it's not like a silly add-on or a magical phrase at the end of your prayer. It's not, hey, teach your children, hey, if you just say, in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of every prayer, that everything you prayed before that, you're going to get. That's not what it means, okay? Here's what it's saying. It's praying, not my will, but yours be done. It's praying according to the will of the Father. It's praying, not my glory, but yours. It's praying, not my purposes, but yours. Praying in Jesus' name is the filter that gets me praying for only what honors God and not necessarily what benefits me, even though what honors God does benefit me. But if we all are just about me and my kingdom and we go before the Lord, there's no guarantee that God will give that to you. But if you ask anything in my name, anything according to my will and according to the will of the scriptures, the Father will give it to you, guaranteed. He will always answer that prayer. Now, it takes a little bit of time for you to think through all that and to wrestle with some things because we sometimes think, well, this is righteous and God, that's God's will, not necessarily because we don't understand the ways of God. But Jesus wasn't concerned about them totally figuring it out. He just wanted them to not miss this. Because of the gift of Jesus, we can, Hebrews 4, come boldly to the throne of grace. We have access to our Father. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a priest. I don't need anyone. In fact, Jesus said, you don't even need me. You get to go directly to the Father. You won't need to ask me for anything, Jesus said. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request. And because of this, my friends, we can come with confidence and ask the Heavenly Father for everything and ask the Father for anything. Here's the point. I think I have it on the screen for you. You get to talk to the God of the universe because of Jesus. He, because what he did, gave you access to the Father. You did not, you were never able to come to the Father before Jesus came and gave his life. Verse 25, I have spoken of these matters and figures of speech, but I soon will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly about the Father. See, he hadn't spoken wide open because they wouldn't have been able to understand it and handle it yet. And I don't have time to work this out, but have you ever asked for clarity over something in your life and you just don't get the answer? Am I the only one? I just want to say yet. Look at verse 26, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world and now I leave the world and return to the Father. You get to go into the throne room of heaven, Jesus says, by yourself because, don't miss this, the Father loves you. Listen, at Christmas time, we get to celebrate a Savior who came to give us access to the perfect, eternal, almighty God in heaven who is the Father of those who receive his Son. And a Father provides love and protection and discipline and wisdom and guidance and support and encouragement. That's why it's so important for fathers to be 
present in the family and to be actively leading the family. That's what's wrong with our community. That's what's wrong with our culture is that men have stopped being dads and stopped being fathers and fulfilling that role. And Jesus came to provide us a way to our heavenly father who provides all that he wants to bestow on us because, don't miss this, he loves us. And you may be like, well, of course he loves us. He's God, he has to. But if you would look into the Greek on this. You know that we talk about three different words in the Bible used for love, translated love in English, but there's three different words. Eros, which is erotic, which is um, sensual, sexual love. There's phileo, which is family love, brotherly love, affectionate love. And then there's agape, which is God. Only those who in God experience the love of God, the self-sacrificing, obligatory love of the Father, bestowed upon somebody else, okay? That's the love of God, but that's not the love they're talking about here. When Jesus said, the Father himself loves you dearly, what word is he using? You wanna take a guess? Phileo. It's not agape, I am God, I will love you. It's phileo. I love you because you're my family. It's got emotion all over it. It carries deep affection. It doesn't speak about some universal, volitional attribute of Almighty God. It speaks about personal affection for you. Does that stir your heart? Does that stir your emotions? It's like saying this. You could say it this way. It's nice to know that God loves me, but how cool is it that he actually likes me? How awesome is that? The great God of the universe likes you and he's got affection for you. He wants to hang with you. The great God of the universe wants to spend time with you. Does anybody want to dance right now? Does anybody want to get up and shout and just like, does anybody want to cry right now at the thought that the great God of the universe likes you? and he has great affection for you. It's not oblig obligatory. And he wants to not just love you and have affection for you, but he wants to pour out his affection on you. He wants to lavish all the benefits of his riches upon you right now. Present tense is what it says. He continually loves you with deep affection. And you want some good news? He loves you even though he knows all about you. And he likes you even though he knows all about you. And he has great affection for you even though he knows what you did last night in secret thinking no one else would know in the darkness. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, would die for me, that thou, my God, would love me, that thou, my God, would have great affection for me? Everything your heart's been longing and searching for is found in the Father's love, and if you will come to him through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, 
He will welcome you into his loving protection. He will be the father you may never have had. He'll be the one who gives you wisdom and guidance and support and encouragement. He's just waiting for you to come to him. And you might be here today and you know you don't have a relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. I want you to know he's waiting for you. He's calling you. Those of you who are online that are listening to us right now, it may be true of you that you do not know the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. He's calling your name. He's just waiting for you to respond to the tug in your heart today, right now. And if you do, if you will reach out to him, you will find ultimate joy and access to the Father's love, and then you'll get this, you'll get lasting peace. Look at verse 29. His disciples said, at last you're speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. And Jesus asked, do you finally believe? He's actually saying, now you're believing, now you're getting it. This is awesome, guys. John Calvin once wrote, they might not have fully understood it, but the mere scent of this truth refreshed them. And wouldn't it have been awesome if they closed the chapter and the book right there? But Jesus goes on to say in verse 32, but the time is coming, indeed is here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. They didn't understand, you guys, that they were so close. They were actually on their way to the garden where Jesus would be arrested and they would scatter in fear and leave Jesus alone in the hands of wicked men. But Jesus said to them, you don't need to worry about it. I won't be alone. My father will be with me. What an awesome statement for them to hear. What an awesome statement for you and I to hear. He and his father are inseparable. And this was like a side lesson for them. He didn't need to tell them that. He knew that. But he wanted them to understand that whenever, you may, you may run away from me and you may be scattered, but I won't be alone. You'll leave me alone, but I won't be alone. My father is with me. And he wants all of his followers to understand that once you have the Holy Spirit of God, everyone may run, everybody may abandon you, everybody may leave you alone. You may find yourself in the dark somewhere, but you're not alone. We sing about it in a couple of the songs. He will always be with you. He will never leave you. He will always be there with you in the darkness. We are inseparable because we have the Holy Spirit from the love of Christ and our Father. He's there. Verse 33, he says, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. And if there's ever a time we needed peace, it's now. How would any of us have ever known ahead of time the ways in which we would have been in desperate need of peace through 2020 and 2021? And peace is the calm assurance that what God is doing is best regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our health, regardless of our broken relationships or our situations. It's what God is doing, the assurance that what God is doing is best. Take a look at the people around you. Go ahead. Take a look at the people around you. Okay, some of you don't want to do it. They, they won't bite you. They're sitting right next to you. 
Go ahead, take a look, balcony. You have to do it too. You guys don't get to just sit up there and not. People at home, look at, around you. If you're home alone, go look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> These are real people. We're real. This is really happening. We're all facing real tri trials and real troubles. But Jesus wants us to know that the God of peace is dispensing real peace that the scripture describes as passing all of our understanding. We can't even comprehend what's coming to us and what we're being given with this lasting peace. And when you have it, and you're living in that peace in the middle of your circumstances, people will look at you and say, how in the world are you still standing? How in the world are you dealing with this? And your answer will be the lasting peace of God. I don't know, except that God is sustaining me. The assurance that what God is doing is best. The assurance that at some point the darkness will give way to light. That God will be shown true and faithful and right and as awesome as he's always been and everyone who's held on to Jesus and trusted in him will be granted peace because you aren't alone. You're inseparable from your father because your father loves you and he will always be with you, giving you joy, actually liking you, giving you peace, and then here's the last one, giving you an overcoming heart. Verse 33 says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Take heart, he says, which means take courage courageously, confidently, and joyfully seize every challenge that will come your way as we look to 2022 and beyond. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to be fearful, right? Right? You know I'm drawn to epic action adventure, adventure movies. In fact, I, I brought up Braveheart a couple of weeks ago, and you know my kids reminded me, Dad, you get one every three months. But I love those kinds of epic adventure action movies, Lord of the Rings, Gladiator, Mission Impossible. Well, you guys, we're, um, we're right on the, the brink of a brand new year. And I believe we're headed into an epic action adventure starring the children of God, empowered by the untamed Holy Spirit of God, and it's probably going to get dangerous. Are you okay with that? I have a plaque in my office that reminds me, adventure is not outside a man, it is within. And for the children of God, the adventure is inside of us. As we, with abandon, and we, in total faith, believe that we can walk into anything because the Holy Spirit of God is with us, and therefore the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father himself, because of his great love for us, is with us. And when God and we are together, what are we afraid of? What won't you walk into?
God may be calling us to a 2022 that is utterly unlike anything we've ever previously experienced. In fact, I happen to believe that 2022 is going to be one of the greatest years in the history of the Church of Jesus Christ. Not in First Baptist Church's history, in the Church of Jesus Christ. I believe that the Church of Jesus Christ is going to see things and experience things no one else in the body of Christ has ever seen. I'm not prophesying, I just believe I'm hearing the whisper of the Holy Spirit that says something like this. You think it's getting interesting now? You think it's getting warmed up now? Just wait. I'm just getting warmed up. Your spiritual adventures are going to accelerate. And by judging the acceleration of change and the acceleration of what seems to be the signs of the end coming upon us in the year 2022 and 21, that whisper should give you goosebumps like it gives me. You know what my biggest fear is? That I would lack the courage to chase with abandon the Holy Spirit into 2022, that I would somehow hold back because of the uncertainty of what is to come. One of my biggest fears is that I will not run toward the roar of the enemy, but instead I will retreat into some sort of false sense of security and safety somehow which is not what God wants from his people. Here are some thoughts that haunt me. Who might not hear the Savior's voice because I am not speaking his words to them and that my voice doesn't sound like his voice? Who may remain chained to despair and to their sin and to an eternal damnation and separation for God because I was not willing to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to testify of his love in my life and the gift of salvation that I have received. Who might not launch into exhilarating and effective ministry because I shrank back from the front lines. That's, those are the things that haunt me every day. No, I, I refuse to live as if the purpose of this life was just to survive. Just hang on, just survive. Just get through it until Jesus comes. I refuse to live like that. That is not what God called us to. I want to live on purpose. I want to live on offense against the forces of evil and stand for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I want to take on some things and some assignments that I haven't even dreamed of yet. Assignments that are so much bigger than me that only God could accomplish it. That's what I want me to do in my life, but that's what I want us to do as a church. As we go forward into 22, I want us to take on some God assignments that it's like scares us because it's like, there's no way we can do this. I know with man it is impossible. With God, come on, with God, all things are possible. Exactly. Are you with me? Are you in? <laughs> I'm glad. I love doing this with you guys. And I just want to encourage you with this. Without him, we are nothing. With him, we are everything. Come on, let's stand to our feet and let's go out singing this song we sang earlier, Frontiers.
never, I've never been more excited and more proud to stand with a group of people than I am here today and uh, to go out into this unknown, this great frontier in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit of God, um, walking hand in hand together. As always, at the end of the service, we make available an invitation for you to come forward. Those of you who are online, um, we give an invitation to you to reach out to our prayer team to be able to help in any way. But if you need the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation for you. You might not have tomorrow to hear his voice again. I would encourage you to come and receive him today. We can help you. We would love to do that with you. Let's go out in the power and strength of the Lord. Give somebody a big hug on their way out. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for our worship service online today. Our hope is that the worship and teaching has stirred your affections for Jesus Christ and has inspired you to love God, love others, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or if you just want prayer with somebody, would you click on our connection card link and there you can find the help that you need. Also, we encourage you if you haven't already, download our church app from the App Store today so that you can connect with us in that way and the many different tools that it offers. As always, our website offers a host of opportunities and resources for you, and you can find that at fbcalcar.org. Hey, thank you again for joining us today. We'll see you right back here next week. See ya.